I'm Ashley. I'm Jen. And I'm Sarah. And we are Unabridged, the podcast where teachers take on books. Join us each week for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content every week. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at unabridgedpod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Unabridged, episode 203, Fairy Tale Retellings. And this is our second episode this year in support of our Unabridged Reading Challenge. And we're excited to talk to you about that today. Before we get started, we want to remind you that we have a tea Public store full of bookish gifts and swag, unabridged branded stuff, but also other things in our tea Public store. It would make a perfect gift for the holidays. So we know holiday shopping is coming up and we think that our tea Public store has just what you're looking for. So if you want to check that out, just go to unabridged.com and click on the support us menu and then you can go to the merch store and it I think that you'll find something for the book lover in your life very easily or something for yourself because you know you need to gift yourself too so check out our tea public store so again just head over to unabridgedpod.com and click the support tab and you will find our merch store listed under that so let's get started with our bookish check-in Ashley what are you reading So one of the ones that I am so excited to be reading, I'm actually listening to on audio, and this is Blackout. This one is six authors. We talked about this when it came out, and I think Jen maybe mentioned it on a bookish check-in before, but this is six powerhouse YA authors who wrote a collection of short stories together. The authors are Danielle Clayton, Nick Stone, Tiffany D. Jackson, Angie Thomas, Ashley Woodfolk and Nicola Yoon. So people who listen know that we love all (laughs) of those authors and we're so excited to see them do a collection together. This one is set in New York and in the opening scene, which is Tiffany D. Jackson's story, you see somebody who's getting ready for her internship and she's super excited and she is really looking in a new direction. She's had a falling out, like her relationship fell apart. She's sad about that, but she's like determined to face this new internship and to let it be a new beginning. And so we see that happening. But then upon arrival, she hears a voice and is like, oh no. And it is her ex-boyfriend whose voice she hears. And she quickly realizes that he is also there for the internship which cannot be right. So that is the opening scene is realizing that the two of them are both there for an internship and that it is supposed to be only for one person. And then right as they're finding out that clearly a mistake had been made, the power goes out. And from that moment on, we see what will connect the stories, which is the blackout in New York City and the way that that's impacting the whole community. And I am loving it so far. I'm into the second story now and am totally swept up in that one as well. And that one takes place. So it's actually people who are on the metro when it occurs, you know, when the blackout occurs. And so you're getting that perspective. And I found the whole thing so fascinating. And I think certainly it feels resonant now, 
having gone through the global pandemic and continuing to experience what that is like, I think a lot of us are acutely aware of how jarring it is to have something that you count on to always be stable, suddenly feel unstable. And that definitely is happening in this book. And I love seeing, again, I'm only a couple of stories in now, but I think that Jackson's story, it seems, will continue to run throughout the book, but I'm not sure if the other ones are all isolated. Jen, you probably could say, but that's kind of my impression is that's the thread. Yeah. And then the other stories connect in various ways to this kind of main thread. And right. I am absolutely loving it. And the audio is phenomenal. And I won't read all of the narrators, but it is a full cast. They are great. And also some standout names that you would recognize from the audio world. And so I'm loving it on audio. I think it'd be great in print, but this is one I've been so excited to read and I'm happy to be listening to it now. So one more time, the authors are Danielle Clayton, Nick Stone, Tiffany D. Jackson, Angie Thomas, Ashley Woodfolk, and Nicola Yoon, and they all partnered together to create Blackout. I'm so excited you're reading that. And that's oh great gosh, to know I'm about the it. audio. I did read it in print and the print is phenomenal too, but yeah, that sounds really good. I really want to read that. <laughs> Yeah, that, I'd, Sarah, it. you'll love the audio. So, mm -hmm. Jen, what are you reading? So I am reading Lucy Parker's Battle Royal. I have been excited to read this one since I saw the first picture of the cover. I loved Lucy Parker's romance series, London Celebrities, that focused on the theater world of London and kind of swirled around different people, stage actors. It also got into some TV acting. But I was really excited to see that she's starting a new series. So Battle Royal begins with a reality TV show called Operation Cake. Dominic is one of the judges and Sylvie is a contestant on the show. And Dominic is famous. He's Dominic DeVere. He owns DeVere's and he is famous for this very restrained monochromatic style of cake decorating. He serves British royalty. He has contracts that have been handed down since his grandfather who started DeVere's. So he is like the top echelon of cake baking and decorating in London. Sylvie, the contestant, is a newbie. She's hoping to get a, a launch to her career by being on Operation Cake. She loves all things glitter and pink and unicorns. And she and Dominic could not be more opposite. And she is booted off the show when a she has this mechanism built into a unicorn cake that accidentally explodes and it hits Dominic in the head with a hoof from the unicorn that of course <laughs> goes viral. And yeah, so she's booted off the show and now it's four years later. And Sylvie opens up her cake shop, Sugar Fair, right across the street from DeVere's. And so they are competitors, sort of, but their clientele is so, so different that they're not direct competitors, even though they both have bakeries. But there is going to be a royal wedding. And some bakeries in London have been invited to pitch what they would create for this royal wedding. Well, Sylvie thinks that maybe this royal wedding is going to be a little different because Rosie, who is the royal who's getting married goes around with her hair spiked and she has like this kind of heavy metal vibe and she's really punk and is very different from the typical Royal. So Rosie thinks maybe she can get this contract, which would of course put sugar fair on the map. So she, 
even though she was not invited to, <laughs> sends in a pitch that she should be the one to create the royal wedding cake. Anyway, this is a romance, so you already know what's going to happen. It's great enemies to lovers. What I really like about Lucy Parker is she takes these tropes and she really enriches them. So for as you're reading the book, you're getting all of this backstory. Dominic is super reserved and you find out why he's very reserved. He does not have a connection to his parents or his siblings. You find out why. Sylvie lost her parents. Her parents died when she was very young. She was raised by her aunt who died when she was 19. And you find out the way that's affected her. There are just these amazing secondary characters who populate the story. So I just am loving it. It is really fun. You know, I love enemies to lovers, but I think that all of the different angles, the reality TV show. Oh, and four years later, Sylvie becomes a judge on Operation Cake. So she and Dominic are now doing the show together as well as judges. So there's that fun angle. There's the royal wedding stuff. And that whole subplot is being developed more as we're reading. It's got great food description. Yeah, it is so much fun. So that is Lucy Parker's Battle Royal. That sounds awesome. <laughs> right up my alley. <laughs> I was going to say, Sarah, you would love it. Absolutely. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is a perfect Sarah book. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So Sarah, what are you reading? I, I've said before on the pod that I am trying to get through Taylor Jenkins Reads backlist because I have just enjoyed everything that I've read of her so far. So I am in the very beginning of her book, Maybe in Another Life. And so far, I love the premise. I love the characters. It's so engrossing, just like all of her other books. And basically, this story is about Hannah. She's um, in her late 20s. She is kind of just meandering through her life. She doesn't really know what she wants. And she's kind of been doing that since she graduated from college. So she goes back home to LA and she goes to her best friend Gabby's house. And she's kind of staying there in her guest room while, while she decides what she wants to do. And she and Gabby go out one night and they run into her old high school boyfriend, Ethan. And at the end of the night, Gabby is like, you want to, let's go. And then Ethan offers to give her a ride. So the, basically the premise of the book is what happens if she goes with Gabby and what happens if she goes with Ethan. And so the chapters alternate between those two storylines based on that decision that Hannah makes. And so it's just really interesting. It reminds me of the movie that had Gwyneth Paltrow in it, Sliding Doors, where what happens if she makes the subway and what happens if she misses her subway train? Cause both of those storylines are very different. And I just, I'm really loving it. I love the premise. I think it's really interesting to see. And so I'm just loving it. Just like I love all of Taylor Jenkins reads the books. It's very readable and it goes really fast. So that is Taylor Jenkins reads maybe in another life. I read that a while ago with my book club and we had the best discussion about yeah, about that book and what people think about, you know, whether love is meant to be or yeah, it was really yeah. good for conversation. That sounds great, Sarah. I haven't read that one yet, but same. I have the goal to do her backlist, so I'll have to pick it up. It's really good so far. I like it a lot. I just think her books are just so readable. You know, I mean, it's just, they're just 
easy to dive right into and get through. So I, I'm excited to see where this one ends up. Okay, so now we are going to talk about our main discussion and we are going to talk about another round of fairy tale retail tellings. And I really enjoyed this when we did it a while back. I hadn't really thought thought about the fact that I don't read a lot of fairy tale retellings. And since we made it part of our unabridged reading challenge and we did one round, I am finding that I'm like, give me all the fairy tale retellings. So, <laughs> so I'm excited again to start this and I'm really excited to talk about my pick. Jen, do you want to start us off with your fairy tale retelling pick? So I am recommending Sarah J. Moss's A Court of Thorns and Roses. And I feel like this one gets a lot of play on Bookstagram. And I do love Sarah J. Moss. I will also say this is the first book in a series that takes a lot of twists and turns. And so it is going to be complicated for me to talk about without spoilers. But book one is a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. And what I really like about this one, so Feyre, the main character, is this incredibly tough young woman. Her family has, you know, fallen on hard times. Her mom's not in the picture. She has two siblings. Her dad used to be this really strong man, but he has become very weak and does not provide for the family at all. And this is definitely a very patriarchal time in which the story is set. And so Feyre has become the daughter who goes out and hunts and brings her family food and keeps everything going. And her sisters are very spoiled. And where Feyre was like, okay, well, we just got to get ourselves together and do all this stuff. Her sisters are just now relying on her and I will say, I do not like them very much in this first book at all, <laughs> because I just think they're not helping and they're kind of bratty to Feyre. And yeah, they're just not very pleasant. So one day, and it has been a while since I've read this, so I don't remember all of the complexities, but one day she suddenly becomes aware that the fairy realm is real. She comes into contact with Tamlin, who basically is like beast and beauty and the beast. And so he takes Feyre back to his amazing slash now rundown castle. And it's just sort of her initiation into this world of the Fae. And because this is a series, Moss is doing a lot of world building here. She's really creating this expansive universe. And so you find out what caused Tamlin to be cursed and that has implications for the whole kingdom. So he is really trying to keep things running in his world and in, is sacrificing himself in some ways to make everything safe for other people in his world. And yeah, so it's a romance. There is a lot of fantasy. It is super steamy. So I do think this is technically characterized as YA, but I would not call it YA. I think it is more an adult read. And the series as a whole takes a lot of twists and turns, but I really loved this book one and I loved watching their relationship develop, but also watch Feyre as she becomes aware of her own strength and becomes more confident and sees herself in relationship to this new world instead of comparing herself to her sisters and what they expect. So that is Sarah J. Moss's A Court of Thorns and Roses. I can't believe I haven't read that one because it seems like right up my alley, but I just have, it's just, I think that it came out and then all the others came out and I was, 
I was like, I can't, I cannot make this commitment. <laughs> yeah, it is daunting because there are a lot of books and they're quite long. And I, I think they read fast, but they, yeah, it's, I understand completely. Sometimes those long series are very daunting when you see them stacked up on the shelf. Yes. Yeah. Ashley, what is your recommendation? So I talked about this one on a bookish check-in a while ago. This book just came out in July. So it's a pretty recent book. So this is Elizabeth Lim's Six Crimson Cranes. I have not read her other series. This was the first of her books that I have read. So she has another series that has been very successful and I've seen a lot of great reviews on that is Blood of Stars. And the first of that is Spend the Dawn. And I definitely want to go back and read that now. But again, this is the first one I've read of hers. So this is a retelling of the Grimm Brothers story, The Wild Swans, which I've seen different titles for that. But it's the one where basically they're cursed and they become swans. And so that that's kind of the premise. But here it's also woven into some Eastern Asian mythology. And Lynn talks about that in her author's note. This is one where I really loved what she had to say about writing the book and her intentions and seeing those come to fruition in the book. I think you really see that here. Basically, Shiori is the main character and she is a princess and she and her brothers very early on, there are six of them, very early on, they're all cursed. And so she thought she had all of these problems in the very opening scene. She is supposed to marry a prince. Like she's supposed to go to this ritual for her betrothal to another important Lord in the kingdom. And she is very put out about all of this. And so it's kind of that perspective in the beginning. And then when she's on her way to that, a series of events happens that makes her essentially dive into a lake. And <laughs> it is not for the purpose of self-harm, but she does get down to the bottom and she does almost die. But while she's down there, she opens her eyes and sees a dragon. And so it's this really fascinating... And the dragon promptly saves her or she probably would have drowned. And so that's the opening scene. And you get this really interesting look at how she's discovering there's a whole world out there that she did not know was out there. So even though this is a fantasy book, it's set in a magical realm. She didn't know about dragons and had never seen one. She didn't believe that they were real. And so you see that happening and that continues. And I loved that. I love the dragon <laughs> character. He also is able to be human as well. And so he's just a really fascinating side character, but that's her beginning issue. And then that becomes very unimportant in relationship to this horrendous curse that she and her brothers encounter. So the curse has all these restrictions and some of them are really complicated for her. And there, of course, it's like awful for her, but also it's, there's a lot of determination on her part to not just give up because there are a lot of things that are really like she has to choose to do one thing and another thing in order to keep horrible things from happening. So we see that, but she's separated from her brothers and she's cast into this very far corner of the kingdom and no one can recognize her and she cannot get home. And so her primary focus early on is to try to get back to her brothers. And then from there, once, you know, once they kind of get to that space, then they have to figure out what to do to, to be able to break the curse and to help the kingdom and all of those things. 
And so I just thought it was absolutely richly drawn. I loved her character. I thought that she was really courageous and also fun. And all the characters she encounters also I really love. And so there's a lot of, and there's some romantic parts that are really fun too. So again, she was very off put by that at the beginning of the story, but there's some interesting twists and turns that bring about some romance. And so that's really sweet and fun, but I just felt like I loved the world. So that's why I would like to read Lim's other books too, because the fantasy world, while this is a totally different series, the world building is set in the same fantasy world. So that is desirable to me. But I also loved seeing a retelling. We've talked before about retellings that shift the focus so that the princess is not just in distress and waiting to be saved, but instead is the one at the helm and the one making the decisions and bringing about change. And I think we really see that with Shiori. And so I just thought she was a great character. And she also has this really sweet paper bird that comes to life early on and, <laughs> and is her companion. And all of that I love too. So Sometimes those parts, I've found that I really appreciate magical creatures in fantasy stories and how they can sometimes be really interesting companions to people. And I think that that works really well in this. And so I absolutely loved it. I cannot wait for it. I believe it's a duology. I cannot wait for the next book. And I do want to back read her backlist because I just thought it was a great retelling and a lot of fun. So again, that's Elizabeth Lim's Six Crimson Cranes. Oh, I definitely want to read that one. It sounds so good. Every time you talk about that, I just, I'm like, I want to read that right this uh-huh. minute. <laughs> so I set it for a bookish check-in. I also wrote a book review on it. <laughs> and I know that I've mentioned it on some of my lists already because for sure when I read it, I was like, oh, this is going to be a favorite for the year and probably one that I'll love for a long time to come. So. Mm-hmm. What about you, Sarah? What is your pick? I know you've had a lot of these lately. So which one do you want to share? My pick is Kaylin Barron's Cinderella is Dead. Oh my gosh, this book is so fantastic. One of you, I can't remember who picked it for a pub day shout out a while back. Was that Ashley? It was Ashley. Yeah, She's raising I, her hand. <laughs> I remember when I read the summary for it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is so good. It's so well written. And of course, I mean, you can tell from the title, it's a retelling of Cinderella. I mean, I just think it is so, it's so unique and I love the characters. So the premise of the story is it has been 200 years since Cinderella and Prince Charming got together, but this kingdom is ruled by the Cinderella story. So of course it's largely patriarchal like the men have all the power the women have no power the main character of the story is Sophia she's 16 and in this kingdom there is a very a horrible king but also every king before him has kept this tradition alive and basically what that is is that when girls turn 16 they go to a ball where men it doesn't matter their age but any man can come and they are and they go to the ball in hopes of being selected by a man they have three tries to do this and then if they're not selected it's called they're forfeited so they when if you don't get selected in three tries then when you're a forfeit you're basically sent to a work camp you you don't see your family again (laughs) it's hideous so sophia is 16 she 
has a childhood best friend named Aaron, who she's been in love with. But of course, in this kingdom, it is only the men have all the power and they are only allowed to choose a female for their partner. So she is really struggling and she really wants to rise up and she wants her and Aaron to run away. And Aaron, she feels this responsibility to her family because any action that a woman, a young woman would take would have repercussions for her family. So they, so it is their turn, their first turn to go to the ball and they arrive and basically, I don't want to give anything away, but basically Sophia is trying to leave the castle and she goes into this room and she meets up with Constance who is the last known descendant of the actual Cinderella and they decide that they are going to try to overthrow the kingdom and it's just like this awesome story about girls teaming up and it's so empowering and again I think I talked in another episode about like these feminist retellings. And I don't know, I think like in the last year or two, I've really like got in touch with my feminist side. Like I've been reading all these amazing women and like these fairy tales that talk about the girls kind of fighting the patriarchy. I just really like it. And Sophia is a really strong character. She's very stubborn and she is willing to make sacrifices, to try to fight for what she believes in. And it is just, it is great. I think you both would love it. I think it would be a great book for the classroom. And it's just, it's really original. And I just think it's great. So that is Kaylin Barron's Cinderella is Dead. That sounds awesome. It is. It's so good. And I mean, it's so interesting. Like in the beginning, when the girls are getting ready for the ball, I mean, they use Cinderella. It's almost like, a biblical thing like the, everybody has a copy of the story they recite it they they have to know it by heart and all that stuff and it's just all I mean because I think like when we think about fairy tales and like they're true when we read fairy tales and especially as women and girls and you read this I mean it's basically the your end goal is finding someone who will marry you and you know, basically wifing up or whatever. And so I just think it's really interesting to see this examination now with these retellings. I think it's really interesting and I really like it. So I think you both would love it. I think it might make a really good buddy read for our buddy read group. So maybe sometime. (laughs) All right. Well, we are really excited to hear about your favorite fairy tale retellings or ones that you've read recently and enjoyed. So definitely let us know on social media because we would love to hear them. And now we are going to go to give me one. And today we are going to be sharing, it doesn't have to be our very favorite quotation, but a favorite quotation from something we've read or just like a general one that we've gone to many times in our life. We're just going to share a favorite quotation of ours. Um, Ashley, you want to start us off? Sure. Yeah. So I felt like I've always loved quotations, so it was hard to pick one. So I did just go with uh, one from a book that I have loved recently. And this one, in keeping with our Taylor Jenkins read, fandom (laughs) comes from The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And she said, when you're given an opportunity to change your life, be ready to do whatever it takes to make it happen. The world doesn't give things, you take things. And I chose that one because I have had a major life event happen (laughs) and that has had some pros and cons, but it has led to pursuing a new career. I have lived in multiple places with my family. And so it's felt like we've taken a lot of risks and hoped that it was 
worth the risk for the reward. And I just think that that quote really is resonant with the sentiment that if I'm going to go for it, I've really got to go for it and that things don't just come to you, but you really have to reach out and take them. And I think that that sounds like there were ways in which Evelyn Hugo is a pretty harsh character, but I also felt like that is what I thought was so beautiful about her is that because she's a woman, we notice how willing she is to put herself first and to do whatever it takes to have success. And I really admired that in the book, that she is weighing those costs, but also determined to have her ambition and to be successful. And so that quote just really stood out to me and has been one of many from the book that I thought was really powerful. Awesome. That's awesome. I love that too. Jen, what is yours? So mine is one, I love John Green. We all love John Green and he's a great writer, but he's also just a smart person. And I think one of the things that has made his YouTube show with his brother so successful is just his outlook on the world. And so every time I see this one on social media, I just want to stand up and cheer. So this one is public education does not exist for the benefit of students or the benefit of their parents. It exists for the benefit of the social order. We have discovered as a species that it is useful to have an educated population. You do not need to be a student or have a child who is a student to benefit from public education. Every second of every day of your life, you benefit from public education. So let me explain why I like to pay taxes for schools, even though I don't personally have a kid in school. And that's not true anymore. But anyway, it's because I don't like living in a country with a bunch of stupid people. <laughs> and I think I will just leave it there. <laughs> I love that too. That's great. <laughs> Sarah, how about you? So I have so many favorite quotes, but I wanted to take the, another opportunity to talk about talk about one of my most favorite books because I haven't had a chance in a while to talk about The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne. There was a season in the podcast where I think I talked about it almost every episode. <laughs> but, <laughs> I just love this book so much. It just has one of those books that I always think about. And I mean, it just was very impactful for me as a reader to read this amazing story of a life. So I decided to choose a quote from there. And I love Cyril, the main character in that book so much. He like, I just fell in love with him and his wit and his sense of humor and his, and just the way that he loved the people in their, his life, no matter. And he recognized their shortcomings, but he still was just such a great, I mean, he just was such a good person. So the, but also staying in my like little feminist, like go girls theme for this episode, this quote is from the hearts invisible furies. And it's, I've always believed that if women could only collectively harness the power that they have, then they'd rule the world. And I just love that. And I just think that book is set in a time where women didn't have a lot of power. And the fact that the character realizes this and is just so, I mean, he just respects the women in his life so much. And even his mom, he is so gracious to her, even though she is, or his adopted mom, his, but even though she is just kind of terrible to him, but he just loves her for who she is. And the fact that he recognizes that, I just love that quote. So that's from the heart's invisible furies. And again, I love that book so much. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope that you will share with us your favorite quote this coming Monday when we do our post. We will love to see what you like and just continue to talk to us on social media about your favorite retellings. And again, we are always open for conversation on our social media channels and we just love connecting with you. So be sure 
to hit us up there. Thanks for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for ways to support us. To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.